Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. So, okay, so I'm going to start. We ready, guys? Ready. Cool. So, welcome to Drinking with Authors, uh, one of the coronavirus editions. Um, we are doing this via Skype. So, if there's any sound quality guys out there listening to us, the please be understanding, but we're going to make it fun and exciting. I am your host, Erica Lance, and with me co-hosting today is... J.M. Paquette. Yay! <laughs> and today... We have what I would consider an anomaly in a way, and I love it. So we have the amazing Robbie Cox. Robbie, say hi. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Pleased to meet you. So um, uh, we go over what we're drinking at first. Jen is, I'm sure, drinking something incredibly boring because she's allergic to alcohol. So we'll just skip that. Just kidding. Oh, no. It's wonderful flavored coffee. It's delicious. So knowing that she was going to do that, I got wonderful flavored coffee, but I put it in an old smoky Tennessee, Tennessee whiskey that's mango habanero flavored. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's nice. Let yes. me just, I know the girls here would love that. Yeah. It is actually amazing. It is so flavorful. And I didn't like that judgment, Jam. Just going to say, <laughs> Robbie, what are you drinking with us? Oh, uh, well, I went ahead and stuck with my favorite Jameson. I figured, why mess with anything? Yes, yes, <laughs> I love it. Standard. I love it. Okay, so welcome <laughs> to Drinking with Authors. Um, let's hear a little bit about your work, because reading your bio and everything, we got super excited about one of the pages on your website, but tell me. Oh, uh, yeah? Which page? Which page did you get excited about? I love the mess that is me. Oh, the blog. That is that is the best yes. title of a page. It's, it was it was very entertaining. They we actually we started that I think in 2010, and that was just me being a smartass and making fun of everybody around me. So it was, and of course myself making a lot of fun of myself. So it works. Thank yeah, you. I, it was think- fun. I think you have to make fun of yourself. If you if you take yourself way too seriously, not fun. Not fun at all. Okay, not so tell all. us not a little bit about what you write. I write a little bit about everything, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not <laughs> satisfied in one genre. My mind is uh, too chaotic inside of it, and uh, I get an idea and just – I get easily distracted, which is why I have so many genres and series started. Uh, for the main part, I write a lot of paranormal and paranormal romance with a lot of erotica scenes in it. Uh, I have urban fantasy. My Warrior of the Way series is urban fantasy. Um, then I have a lot of contemporary romance, uh, erotic romance. And I have a literature, just literary fiction, short stories with a couple of uh, young adult short stories inside of it, uh, Life's Moments which is just stuff that I wrote a long, long time ago that I refurbished and just put in a short story collection. Wow. Okay, so I, I'm sorry. I have to. My little heart of hearts has to dive in. You write erotica. I do. My uh, my first, my second book published, Losing Faith, uh, is my most erotic novel to date. And it is, I had the one lady in the review say, nobody has this much sex. And I felt sorry for her. Uh, um <laughs> <laughs> paranormal romance they all have sex all like, the time yeah yeah 
They do. This one is losing faith is not a paranormal romance. Actually, it's a it's a uh, workplace romance. It's contemporary romance with a lot of sex in it. It's, a, it's erotic romance, is what it is. And, and um, I actually my first, we had to change the. Uh, because the first cover was a soft, it was steps going down into the ocean, peach colored. It was very soft and romantic. And at the first signing I was at, I had a lady, an elderly lady, look at me and thought it was a religious book because of the title, Losing Faith. Oh. And I was like, no, this is not a religious book. This is the opposite of a religious book. And she kept telling me, this is about you losing your faith, right? And get, I, no, I said, lady, there is... Oh God in this book, but it's not in the way that you are meaning it. And, uh, and she still wound up buying the book. I said, okay. And then later the person beside me said she wanted the book. She just wanted to justify a reason to buy the book. I guess so, so man. Changed cover to a girl eating a chocolate covered strawberry on the front. So yeah, you've got a great cover on it now. I love that. Her lips and that nail polish is working for you. That is awesome, Thank though. Thank you. Uh, one, oh, go ahead. One of the ladies that works with me, Terry Edney, she has her own graphic. She does all my covers and everything else. She she does a really good job. Yeah, that's a great great cover. So most, um, I'm I'm not saying there aren't a sect of male erotica writers. Obviously, they exist. They're somewhat, I feel like a unicorn in a way, but they do exist, and we love them out there. So this is not. Not one of those Eric Decker podcasts where he pretty much alienates everybody. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what made you um, decide to do that, or was it did, was there no thought or consideration into a male writing erotica scenes? Well, when I started writing, I had no freaking clue what I was doing, so I just I didn't know I wasn't supposed to write erotic romance. So <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just went with the story that came out and um, I had several scenes that I wanted to include in the book and uh, and the story progressed and it's there there will be five books in the series the third one just came out and um, it, it actually I, I one of the best compliments I think I've received with my writing is the fact that uh, one lady looked at me and said that a male writing female characters is really hard she goes but you pull it off so well you really know what the and that's because I have three ladies that read it for me that tell me a woman wouldn't think like that. A woman wouldn't do that. <laughs> a woman would look in the mirror and do this. So that's were, awesome, yeah. though, that you have like sort of a, a beta reading group that tells you that, because I, I think that is exactly the stereotype reason a lot of people say men shouldn't write women because they tend to write them in like way a way a guy thinks. And that's that's not yeah, we, we both genders, not that it's bad or good, but definitely have a different approach, I think, to situations a lot of times. So that, definitely, that, definitely. that's very cool. So um, Paranormal, uh, which is one of Jen's favorites in the entire world, Paranormal. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what, is your, what are your main characters in your Paranormal series? Paranormal, I, Paranormal was like the furthest from my mind to write. Um, at the time. And um, a, a friend of mine, Jennifer Wedmore, works with author Millie Taden, and she has her own. It's back when they did the Kindle Worlds. Oh, yeah. And um, she had, she kept asking me to write in that world and kept asking me to write in that world. And finally, I said, fine, I'll do a book. And um, I started playing. I had to use World 
but then I created my own characters and I just loved the fun that you could have with it, you know, strange characters and smirky comments that you couldn't, that you would talk about. And, uh, I had, uh, one lady in the, one of the second books, uh, talk about the, the, um, shifters when they were in their animal forms, having sex. So it was uh, a lot of different ways to go. And, um, uh, these characters, I, I try to put a lot of them into it, like, uh, the basics, but, uh, you know, the werewolves and the vampires and the witches. And um, the last book I put out had a shifter gorilla in it as oh. uh, one of the good guys things. So um, I had a couple of ladies write me and say, thank you for finally putting out a, a gorilla book. Um, so basically it's just <laughs> odd that, that fan base. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. weird man, for this little tiny fan base that exists somewhere <laughs> saying, we want gorillas. There had to be gorillas. King Kong jokes in there, right? <laughs> well, I put um, I put a lot of Jungle Book references in them. Oh, with, uh, with Baloo and Bagheera and stuff like that. So it's so I have a whole little section like that. So it's fun. That is that is awesome. Okay, so let's talk yeah. about you starting writing. So when did you begin writing? Uh, I actually started writing way back when in um, high school, which was too many years ago to think about. And, um, and I did it as a, because I didn't want to listen to the teachers talk. So I did it as a way to, um, escape having to pay attention. I was a terrible student and, um, the, uh, I used to write different stories and, um, all action and adventure for young kids and stuff like that. I never sold any of them or tried, although in high school, my class was the one that created the school's literary magazine and got it up and running and kept it going. And then um, from there, I went to uh, article writing for different magazines. At the time, several religious magazines and parenting magazines, retirement, ghost stories. And then um, it wasn't until 2010 that people actually started telling me to take it seriously, the people that I, that were around me the closest, and uh, the girls, as I like to affectionately call them. And uh, so we started the blog, The Mess That Is Me, and started working on different stories. And I went from one book a year to last year we had 14 titles released. So Wow. Wow. Yeah. You released 14 titles? I released 14 titles last year. Yes. Wow. Well, let's, let's that, see, let me there no, were 10 brand new titles. There were 10 brand new titles, and four of them were box sets, and one of the box sets had added stories to it so i'd say 11 with three box sets so yeah still 11 stories i'm so sorry that doesn't underscore what you just said no. that's still how amazing manage, how do you manage your time like what's your what's your daily writing schedule to get that much done type love crazy um i uh i, I work from home this is my full-time job so I don't have to come back another day job with eight hours and other people pulling at me. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to stay at home, which worked out great for this virus stuff because uh, I was already used to it. <laughs> um, so I, I'll get up in the morning. I'll, I'll do like one or 2,000 word sprints for an hour, and then I'll switch to some of my to-do lists and stuff like that. Basically, I try to get in 5,000 words a day. 5,000 words a day is pretty much an 80,000-word book a month. So... That's impressive. That is that is very impressive and disciplined, even for somebody who gets to do this full time, because I think even if you get to do this as your job, 
it takes a certain amount of discipline to have this as a job and do it and keep yourself on task because it's not as easy, I think, and this is just, I think, I mean, I think I would love to write full-time working in that direction, but I find that it is very easy to still have other things distract you, other house projects, other Facebook, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dark hole. Yes. The dark web of watching Netflix, too. So mm-hmm. are, you, are you super organized in how you write your 5,000? Like, do you sit down and have an outline or what's your what's your process? How do you begin? I have a I have an idea and a storyline that I want to go with. I don't necessarily have an outline. I know how I want to start it, and I know how I want to end it. And I have two or three scenes that I know I want to put in the middle. So basically, I will write, and I usually work two or three um, books at a time, not just one. So I, I work. I try to get one or two chapters a day on several different projects a day, and I always leave the writing where I know what's going to happen next. I don't finish it until I run of ideas. So the next day when I start, I know exactly where that scene was going and I can just pick up and continue and then the flow catches on as opposed to starting cold and from scratch. That's awesome. So um, you started doing this in 2010. When did you go full-time? Uh, I actually went full-time. Uh, with our situation, I went full-time in 2011. Oh, wow. Well done. Yeah. That is awesome. That, yeah, that is so it's, cool. it's been a great ride. We have a lot of fun with it. Okay. And so you're we've met a, some go ahead. people, too, so it's great. I said we've yeah. met some fantastic people through this, such as yourselves, but events and the readers. I've got a readers group on Facebook called Robbie's Rascals, and we have a lot of fun in there. Um, I've been doing a reading of Reaping the Harvest one chapter a day in there during the virus and uh they're the most supportive group of people i've ever met so it's it's awesome and that's awesome we'll absolutely have to as part of this i hope you gave us all that social media so we can post it for everybody in these podcasts because i think during this time hearing artists doing things to help out like people don't realize how terrible it can be to be just stuck at home for a lot of people and i think doing that is awesome it it does it gives back to the community Yes, it shows you the type of people that we are as far as everybody pitching in and and doing everything, supporting. It's just not about us. So that's the main thing. No, that's very cool. Okay, so you are a pantser, as we like to call it, versus a plotter. Yes. You know, and um, I'm I'm a furious pantser. When I wear pants, that's that's a whole. Yeah, I'm only seeing from the top up right now, so it's okay. But <laughs> the other plus side of working from home. Yes, exactly. You don't even have to put on pants. <laughs> I said that at work, and they they looked at me, and I was like, "I'm just kidding. I totally have pants. I didn't have pants. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't have to prove it. So you started writing in high school. Uh, what did you end up doing as your day job? I have done several different things, a jack of all trades. Uh, I've done several different things in construction. Uh, I used to work for a couple of major chain pizza houses, and I've even been a custodian and stuff at different places. So a newspaper, I used to run a newspaper uh, depot, too, for carriers and stuff. So I've been all over the place as far as the jobs go. Go ahead. Do you find that you like pull from that experience when you have a new character and you're like, I wonder what they do. And you just go through like, here, I'll use this experience and throw it in. 
Mm. Uh, there, throughout all my books, there are different things that I have seen or from my past or from my family's past that are sprinkled throughout the books that no one will look at and go, oh, that's him. But the people who know me go, I can't believe you put that in there. <laughs> no, that's, I always think that's good. Um, okay, so question. Let's talk about fans for a little bit and, and reviews. So obviously you've gotten reviews on your books, right? How do you feel about reviews? Um, I love seeing them. I, I really don't read them that much. Uh, my ARC team sends us the reviews that they're leaving. Um, I think there are a lot of five-star reviews that are out there that, even for myself, that they probably, they love the person, so they gave them a five-star review. Um, I value the three- and four-star reviews a lot more because I think they're more honest with their criticism and everything else, and I can take it and I can learn from it. Um, some of them just crack me up, uh, like um, the one about nobody has this much sex in their lives or workplace people wouldn't do this. I'm thinking, yeah, they would. Um, <laughs> some of that's true. I um, work in HR as my day job, so and I can tell you I, that I is love true. them. <laughs> They're necessary evil to promote your books further, but huh? Oh, I said that I work in HR, so I can actually validate that people do that kind of stuff in the workplace. I it's fascinating to me how many yeah. different things I could literally just write stories about stuff somebody. that happens works. Oh, are we are we there? I still hear you. I still hear you. Do you hear us, Robbie? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. technical difficulties on Skype. <laughs> so, um, okay. So my next question is when it comes to, um, do you read the one star reviews? Do you have any one star reviews? Um, I'm sure I do. I know I have some two star reviews, a couple of people who said they didn't finish something. Um, I can't even remember. I say, I, uh, I want to say it was my first book in magic's mate. They said not, they didn't finish it because, uh, it talked about bullying, the uh, anti-bully. So they thought it was more of a, a manifesto than anything else or a lecture or something. But, um, I, I, I'm sure I do. I don't really, to be honest, I don't go and read them too much. Um, I think if I've seen too many authors get so caught up and beat up because of the reviews or that they've read all the five-star reviews and believe the press written about them, that they don't go and keep working on their craft and, and strengthening their stories and, and growing as a writer. They go, oh, I'm good enough as I am because look at this, you know? So, and I'm the one that I always want to keep growing as a writer and strengthening my prose and my storylines, coming up with the uh, other stuff that, that makes you a better writer to put you above those that are just writing the story the first time and sending it off. No, I, 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 I agree with you. I think if, if you're reviewing the uh, reviews, you have to do it almost from uh, being willing to not, like you said, the three and four star reviews where they have actual good criticism potentially and pointing out things that you can learn and grow from, I think are great. To me, some of the ones, like I've gotten a one star review and I, it made me laugh because I went, well, thank you for buying my book. You know, <laughs> go beyond that because she just didn't get it, you know, but I was like, well, you paid money, so you can do whatever you want to with that. Um, yeah. 
So let, let's talk about writing. Do you um, have any uh, habits that are interesting, like, or that you catch yourself doing? Like, we talk a little bit sometimes on the podcast about repeating the same word or the same phrase or, you know, um, uh, everybody in Jen's world shrugs. I don't know why. They all shrug. Everybody's shrugging. Shrug nod. That's all shrug I yeah. Mine, mine uh, pinch, their, pinch their brows over their nose a lot. Mine, uh, and it's different with each book. I find I pick up a phrase. And it sticks with the entire book, but by the next book, I've moved on to another phrase. You know, it's like I've learned. Okay, don't do that. So now it's automatically. <laughs> oh well, now we'll do this and, and, until we wear this out. So, uh, yeah, I do have. But uh, luckily, the people that I've got editing and and uh, beta reading are really good at going. Stop using this word. Um, you've used it like five times in one sentence. Knock it off. Um, so I, I, I luckily, hopefully, before it hits print. We've caught most of that. No, I think that's that's awesome. So let's let's talk about sitting in your writing process. Do you do you like to write inside, outside? Where where do you find it, or anywhere? Are you one of those people that needs silence or can noise? Uh, I have got because of my jobs way back when, and trying to write in between everything and driving around town and everything else. I've pretty much. Um, made it to where I could write in any environment. Um, and, and, and I do, I, I've got four or five different places around the house where I will sit and I will work and when we're traveling. If it's not my turn to drive, I'll be in the passenger seat writing. I, I've, uh, sat at Disney and, and wrote some scenes out on my iPad cause we'll take my, I'll take my iPad, my Kindle to Disney with me. And, uh, when we're taking a break from walking or lines or something, I'll sit there and I'll type out some more stuff or watch people. So it's, I don't really have any, I don't need silence and I don't need noise. I, I, uh, although I work better when, uh, the house is full and I know where everybody's at as opposed to being here by myself and on my own devices. Um, so that's been, that's, that's probably it. I work better around people than I do by myself sometimes. It's interesting you say that. I just thought some of these wait lines at Disney, you could write an entire book, you know, 180 oh minutes gosh. later. <laughs> you could write we do. It. We take our Kindles and, and read and write and stuff while we're waiting. Because there, some of uh, the last one we were in, the last line we were in was the when uh, we got a sneak peek. I mean, we were even one of the first ones in before they opened the Star Wars land, and it was still a two-hour wait with the limited people they brought in. So it was... So if you're writing on an iPad, are you like thumbing the thing or do you do you like because I have students who will write a whole paper on their phone and um, like my hands hurt just thinking about it. Like, how do you, what do you hold the iPad with one hand and like type with a what are the logistics? No. <laughs> now, a lot of those blogs that you read, the mess that I made were written with my phone and my thumb while I was driving around town. Um, not the safest thing to do. So don't I don't recommend it. But um with the iPad, it's it's actually I actually slide it into a Bluetooth keyboard, and it, it's uh, so I've got a regular keyboard that I use with it. Okay, well that's good. Um, so, yeah. Isn't that the way El James wrote Like could have yeah. yeah. Somebody stood. I forget which author it was. It stood up and wrote on their dresser in hand and wrote their books. I forget who that was though. That's way know. more. I know a, an author who still like legal yellow pad writes it all out and then edits it while he types it up. I was like, ugh. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I know several. <laughs> Sherry Rensler is a friend of mine, author, great author, who uh, does the same thing. She writes everything out hand first, and then. And I used to be that way, but then I would never be able to release eleven books in a year if I did it that way. So now I do edit with paper. Yeah, I do edit with paper. I'll print out the chapters and edit with red ink on paper because it gives me a different view of looking at the manuscript than just the keyboard. And I'll, I'll even before I send it out, I'll send it to my Kindle and read it and catch all the other little mistakes because your mind automatically fills in the blanks sometimes and you don't realize you're missing a word when you are missing a word so oh, totally and i think that's one of the the biggest situations from authors reading their own book is if you can't figure out a way to restart it in your mind then you end up filling in the blanks and thinking everybody can see what you're thinking which by the way i think would be really cool at some point but <laughs> with that, i don't think people should see what i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Oh, uh, so much. Nah, yeah, so much trouble. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, guys, and then we will be back with Drinking with Authors and Robbie Cox. This is the voice of Drinking with Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is Hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Good stuff. Like, how's your perspective on it? <laughs> It was, um, when I go back and look at any of my old writing, I'm thinking, oh my God, why did I ever keep going? Um, the, uh, it's, it was terrible. Um, I, I've picked up a couple of old manuscripts and, uh, and, and looked at them and said, I wonder if I could do something with this. And I'm thinking, no, this just ne never needs to see the light of day. Uh, some of this stuff was good. A lot of it was, uh, poems and little snarky comments uh, a snarky flash fiction about the time so it was relevant but you could look at it and and tell it was teenagers writing for the first time so do you go back to your um work so this is something that i think is interesting is that i know some authors that once they put their work out they never want to see it again don't want to talk about it again like it's out and it's it's done and um, I think this is something that does trip up authors is the willingness to go back and try to keep correcting, keep correcting, because I think you can always find an error. No matter what, you will find an mm -hmm. error. There is no perfect manuscript out there. So um, do you find that you go back like when you're doing readings and stuff like that? Do you go back and look at your stuff or do you not really want to talk about the older stuff? No, actually, um, Reaping the Harvest and Losing Faith were my first two. Circle of Justice is a short story that I published that first back in 2011. And uh, it, it's a very short story, about 5,000 words, and it follows the path of a gun from one hand to another hand to another hand to another hand and the motive behind each person using that gun. Some justifiable, some not justifiable. Um, and then Reaping the Harvest and Losing Faith came out the following years, 2012 and 2013. And I have gone back and reread them and re-edited them and reformatted them and, and put them back out again. We actually just rebranded the Warrior of the Way series with all brand new covers. 
and uh, started again. So I, if I learn something that I know I didn't know back then, I will go back to the original books and try and fix it going through. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about your fans for a moment um, and coming up to you and talking about their the story. So the, obviously you go to um, public events where they can come meet you. Tell us your, we do. Your we actually even interesting go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, we, I, I do several, uh, throughout the United States. Uh, we haven't gone overseas yet. Um, the girls and I actually hold one every June in Cape Canaveral, Florida called space coast book lovers, um, that we ha- we've been doing. This will be, if we, if it is able to happen this year, uh, which is still looking iffy, um, it'll be, um, our fourth year doing it fourth year doing it and uh we have a lot of fun i love meeting people i think the one that's i've, I've been scared twice i've had a couple <laughs> of very sweet young ladies that we were in new orleans who screamed out my name on bourbon street and uh wanted a picture and they've been great people to follow ever since i love them to death i tell this story all the time because i figure i'm in bourbon street nobody can know what i did wrong here why am i being screamed at and the girls the girls that travel with me weren't near me but it was fun and then um at another event, I had another lady. She did this to every author, but before she walked up to you, she would scream your name. And I guess I wasn't paying attention, and I was probably the second person she did it to. And so it just, I turned red-faced and everything else. It was like, I, li- I-, I like attention, but not that much attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> calm down. Uh, hey, fangirl uh, moments. You gotta love funny. fangirl moments. I know. it's It's great. I think the I had the funniest thing I had was one person in uh, Jacksonville, an event we attended in Jacksonville. My name is Robbie Cox. I write erotic romance. They asked me if I changed my last name to fit with the writing. <laughs> well, I, I hate to say it, but that is, that would be the first thing. When you do write erotic, you try to come up with a snazzy name. You don't want to be like Robert Fleming, yeah. <laughs> erotica writer. You know? Erotica writer. It's like, no, it just... It just worked out that this was my last name. I'm <laughs> lucky that way. But what, what um, kind of stuff do it was you funny. like to read? The, when I, oh, go ahead. I read everything. Um, I really do. Uh, if it's got a good story and strong characters, I will read it. Now, my go-to and what started me reading and writing is fantasy, epic fantasy, like Terry Brooks, Stephen R. Donaldson, Terry Goodwin, good kind stuff like that. Um, but I have read and I do continue to read everything. I love a lot of mystery. I have read romance. Um, and of course now with paranormal, I've, do- I've dove into a lot of the uh, paranormal world. So as long as it's got strong characters, a good story and keep my attention within the first two or three chapters, uh, I continue to read it through. Are, are oh, so you- do you finish a book if it's not good or, or can you put it down? Uh, I will usually finish just about everything that I pick up, although it may take me four or five years. So. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, here's two or three chapters. Okay, that's enough. Put it up. Okay, let's get this. And then I'll go, oh, you started reading that. You should pick it up again. And then I do. And then I remember why I put it down and and, um, and go from there. So. <laughs> Another chapter, and this is terrible. Do you do audiobooks? Do you, are your books on audiobooks? They are not as of yet, but they are being narrated as we speak. Um, we have our own narrator who is, is working through them now, one series at a time. So they will be up this year. Do you have it being read by a man or a woman? The erotica. A woman. A woman. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, with, uh, 
we went out and did we went through we started to go through ACX first and then we had you have narrators who send you their samples and stuff and and some of the men and I don't mean this as an insult to anybody but some of the men that read it I kind of got this creepster stalker vibe <laughs> it's like it, it was more um that's a really dirty old man's talking like that. I, I don't want that you know I wanted something a little more sultry and and uh, sexy as opposed to creepy and uh, so we just decided I, I have a lady that does voiceovers in different areas and uh, she has a really good voice. So she's going to be doing them for us. Well, that's cool. That's cool. It's different because it's interesting. We're recording um, some books right now and have them recorded. I'm luckily on ACX did not have the same experience. Um, I do know what you're talking about. We, we managed to find some gentlemen that were of the right non-creepy persuasion to um, do some of the erotica <laughs> stories, the non-creepy erotica stories. Yeah. It's just, it's funny because little things like that, I think you don't think about when you get into this world of doing of the sex world, the sex trade world. No, um, when you get into the world of erotica, you don't think about like who would read your story and stuff like that. Like for me, it was by default a woman. And then when I started researching it more, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. But um, I think that audiobooks, um, you know, authors that don't get into audiobooks, I don't think that's really um, the best route. I would encourage all authors to get into audiobooks. Because I think you open up your audience when you do that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Especially now with Agreed. everybody. It's just, <laughs> yeah, audiobooks is good. Um, we've actually started putting a series in KU right now because of uh, the virus and everybody being cooped up. And I mean, with everything shutting down, the stay-at-home orders and everything else, you know, you know, the the service industry is the first thing that went. So we're trying to help them out. No, that's awesome that you're doing that. So what did, you know, you've been obviously writing for about a decade now, full-time-ish, ish. ish. Yeah. Oh, decade. Yeah. yeah. No, me and Jen are both also not spring chickens, so we're not talking as if like, oh my God, you didn't have a cell phone as a child? Um, <laughs> so uh, what advice would you give authors that are out there looking to do this full-time? What is your advice that you'd give them? Well, the first thing I would say is study the craft. Uh, the it, there are so many, it's so easy to publish a book nowadays. It really is. It, it gets easier and easier every time. But the ones that are going to stand out are the ones that have studied their craft, that understand basic grammar and story structure, and take your time to network and, and realize. We were talking about fans earlier. Realize that. Uh, the fans are the reason you're actually doing it. Um, and you need to be 24 seven on 24 seven. You, you, you I, I've heard people tell me that they've met so-and-so and they'll never read another book of theirs period because oh, of wow. just the way they behave at, at an event or something like that. And it's like, um, it, your stories are great, but if you're going to go out in public, your personality is what's going to sell for an indie author. Your personality is what's going to sell your first few books. So if you blow that, you've blown your whole strategy going in. But basically, study your craft. No, that's I, I agree with that advice 100%. I think keep studying. One of the things yes. Bill Gates talks about is um, use, and I know he's a computer guy and not a writer and stuff, but he says you should study five hours a week. You should be learning five hours a week something. And mm -hmm. I they think that that... 
Go ahead. I was going to say, if you study something, like study a topic for an hour every day in seven years, you'll be an expert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 yeah, because otherwise you end up like me and you know just enough about things to get into trouble on a regular basis. It's dangerous. <laughs> well, if you do it right the first time, you don't have to go back and redo it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of people, they didn't know and they're still afraid of, of going back and redoing everything, but you're like, if if a reader picks up that that's your first book and it's and you didn't give it your all, you didn't know what you were doing, and they pick that up, they're not going to pick up your second one and your third one. So you really need that's that's one of the reasons I keep going back and fixing what I know I need to fix in the first ones. Well, you have a lot of series in different genres. How do you keep them straight? Or do you do you have good notes? Like if you're going to work on book five, but it's been a while since you wrote book four, or you don't remember whose cousin was in book one, do you keep good notes or how do you keep it straight? I keep a written Bible, as I call it, of, of every book and every series and detailed notes of everything, their eye color, their however I describe them in the book that first time goes written down beside them. I keep a history, what happens to them in each book, so I know what the timeline is for what took place when, and uh, if I'm going to do a series. So, I, um, yeah, uh, meticulous notes, because I've done that before. I just realized I did it in one book. I meant to, I called her uh, Jaden, J-A-D-Y-N, however you want to pronounce it, Jaden. But I, in the second, in the third book, I changed her name completely to Jaden, J-A-Y-D-E-N. I don't even know why I did it. But it's like it just now caught, and no one's ever said anything to me about it. That's the funny thing. I think I think that is very interesting because, you know, you're not you you're solidly a pantser, so you're not plotting out every chapter. But that piece that you just discussed, I think, is really really key, and I think a lot of people take that for granted. It's kind of like world building. You can you can make anything happen. You talked about writing in paranormal and like the fantasy genre, and that's one of the fun things about that genre is you can make any choice you want to make on it. However. Keep track of whatever that choice was. So if, you know, uh, in order to fly, you have to jump off the ground. That was a really dumb analogy. There's a lot of whiskey in me. But um, you (laughs) have to make it so that then every person that's flying jumps off the ground to fly. You don't suddenly go, no, to fly, you need fairy dust, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The world, uh, the rules of your world, you have to keep down. And and I've got an epic fantasy um, story coming up here. I think we're going to try and launch it in the fall, but it's got so much history and background in the worlds around it and everything else. So you're really writing it other books before you could rewrite the first book. And uh, so we keep detailed logs on that and stuff. So do you ever go back? And read the book that you the like. If so, if you're doing part four, do you ever go read part three before you do part four? I have read them before, yeah, uh, to keep to refresh my mind as to what happened, or at least the last half of the book, or something like that, the last few chapters, so I know how it ended. That way, you don't have to go back like Tolkien and be like, "Well, Bilbo just lied in The Hobbit when he was explaining yeah. to Gandalf about that. He just it was a, it was a lie, and now this is the real story." Oops. This is a- yeah um definitely i've also the other thing one of my beta readers is really great at continuity 
Um, so she's really good at keeping me on track with what's happened when and stuff like that. So it's, she's really good at, um, no, you can't, you, you've already said this here, so it can't be here. I, I thought this was what happened here. So she keeps me on track a lot of the times. Oh, that's very useful to have. And beta readers. Yeah. Let's talk about beta readers. When did you start using beta readers? Um, from day one. Uh, from day one. Uh, and it's been the same three beta readers the entire time. Um, and they love being mean to me. So they're not, um, they're not too, they're not, they're not, uh, um, they're not easy on me at all. They're like, what the hell did you just do? Um, or they'll, they'll, this sucks. Redo this. Um, they're very good at characters and, and, uh, we've worked We've worked together the entire time, so yeah. They're actually the same three ladies that help me with everything. You'll see them at events if you ever meet me or anything else. So they're the ones that they make me look good in, in the public eye and stuff. So they really do well making me look good in stories as well. So no, do that's awesome. Disag- do they ever disagree? Like you get conflicting feedback oh, yeah. from them? They do disagree. And the great thing is each one of them. Um, comes from a different viewpoint, and they're great at catching different things. So they don't all catch the same thing in every book. But I figure with their three wide viewpoints, if I can please the three of them, then I've pleased the majority of the audience mm-hmm. in the viewpoints. If if she doesn't get it, then some there's going to be other people that don't get it, even mm-hmm. though these two may have understood what I was saying. So it, it works out in making it a smooth transition of, of storyline. I think that's brilliant. I think one of the worst things anybody can do is get beta readers that just think you're great. Yes, that does you no good. Uh, I've seen uh, where editors have, have been the same way, and it's like, okay, this is grammar. that You're not catching this. What You're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've seen it. It's like, okay, you're not. And if you're not, I want to improve. So if they're nice to me all the time, I'm not improving. So. No, and I think that's a very valid point and something that authors definitely need to recognize. I think I see that a lot of times when people get very, very, very famous, like um, that you go and read later parts of their series and you're like, did you, did you, who is your editor? Is it like your best friend in the entire world that just thinks right. that sun, moon rises on your ass and therefore nothing can get fixed? Because I think it's important to have people like you described to keep you in check in general, especially the more famous you get and the more well-known you get because of what you said to the point where you can have your ego fed by all of the awesome reviews, all the awesome feedback, people spangirling and screaming your name across the, you know, bourbon street and running up to you, which I need that to happen at some point. So any fans of mine in Louisiana, (laughs) when I'm up there, I'll let you know because I can't have Robbie be the only one that got screamed at on Bourbon Street. Scary feeling. It's a scary feeling. Yes. But, but I, I I think that if you don't keep yourself in check and have people around you that keep you in check, you can have some of the not great parts of your writing and stuff get away from you. Agreed. Agreed. And I've had people I've had authors or people who have published a book for the first time saying they sent it to an editor and they came back and they were amazed that there were hardly any red on it at all i'm thinking well i doubt your editor did you a good job then yeah i was gonna say new editor (laughs) yeah 
you want to learn and you want there to be less ink each time you go out, but there's still going to be stuff to be, to be caught. I mean, you're, you're looking at the same manuscript over and over and over and over. You're going to miss something. So, well, I think that, and you want it to be different red ink in a way. You don't want it to be the same issues. You don't want them to be catching the same thing over and over again. But for them to catch it, that means somebody's actually watching. Somebody's watching. You want to mature in your mistakes. Oh, look at the way that was phrased. (laughs) Okay, so, Robbie, how do people find you? Uh, Other than stopping your house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am on Facebook, Robbie Cox. I have an author page, same name, Robbie Cox. Uh, I don't care if people follow my personal profile. I do all kinds of fun things on there. Right now I'm doing a thing every day called Captain's Log, where I talk about all of us working from home right now, and my quiet house is no longer quiet. So I've gotten a lot of comments and funny uh, people tell people stopped me on the street the other day telling me that they enjoyed reading it, and I didn't even know they knew I was on Facebook. Um, so that's been good. Uh, I am on Instagram, same name, Robbie Cox everywhere, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I have a readers group. That would be the best thing to be a part of Robbie's rascals on Facebook. Uh, they get all my cover reveals, my sneak peeks. We do giveaways. Uh, we invite other authors in to come and share their books and and have a good time. And, uh, they all post among themselves as well. So it's, it's the, it's the front line. Um, there. And then if you go to my author page, you can uh, join my newsletter and you'll get weekly um, smart ass blogs like the mess that is me and stuff like that. So <laughs> definitely uh, I'm everywhere. That's awesome. And obviously you have ways to stalk you. So Robbie, when you see him on the street, obviously enjoys the louder you can scream out his name. <laughs> and the bigger distance you can do it, and the more fangirl-like or fanboy-like that you can be. So, shall it gauntlet thrown? We need to see the <laughs> out there. Awesome. Uh, well, you have been absolutely wonderful to have on. I really appreciate you, you coming on with us. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cool. So, this it's has been, been awesome. Dream- <laughs> Thank you. This has been Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. Jam Paquette. And our guest has been Robbie Cox. We'll see you next time.